0: You're listening to the Quietly Ambitious podcast and this episode is one from before we rebranded. So if you hear references to Creatively Human, that is why. I hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us. And how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, and make an impact in our own unique way. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to Heartled creatives. If there's one thing I've learned about running my own business, it's that it brings up all of your doubts and issues right to the surface, constantly. And the topic of self-doubt is basically one that has come up on practically every interview I've done so far on this podcast. And that is the reason why I really wanted to talk to Sas Petherick for today's interview. She is a self-doubt coach and researcher. And we talked about all of this stuff and whether self-doubt is more common for those of us who run our own businesses And I particularly enjoyed the chat we had about breaking the traditional mold of leadership as business owners, as well as Sass's advice for not letting self-doubt about one area of your business make you want to give up on it entirely. We also talked about her amazing self-doubt archetypes quiz, building a sales funnel in a nice way, and the effect that all of that has had on her business. There are a couple of sound quality issues in this interview, but talking to Sass was just brilliant, so I really hope that you enjoy it despite those issues. Hi, Sas, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, can you start by introducing yourself a bit and what you do?
1: Sure, Ruth. It's so good to be here. I'm really quite chuffed that you asked me to, to join in. Um, so I am a self-doubt coach. I'm a researcher and I work with one-to-one and in groups. And I also mentor other coaches to help them set up their practice as well um mostly i 'm interested in how we can cultivate self belief and self acceptance and self trust and self worth all these kind of what i think are quite juicy selfies um, and I do that through uh, through researching evidence based approaches to um, to navigating through self doubt and uh through sharing other people 's stories as well on on my podcast so I'm, I'm really quite fascinated by how self-doubt shows up in our lives and our relationships and our businesses often. Uh, when it comes to creativity, love, all the good things that kind of make life worthwhile, self-doubt doesn't seem to be too far behind. So, yeah, it's um, it's a kind of really interesting topic to be involved in. And, and I've been self-employed as a coach for about eight years now. So, um I've also got that flavour of self-doubt around just running your own business and how how self-doubt shows up there as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's quite cool how our two worlds intersect in that place, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm really interested first to ask you a bit about how you've come at this from an academic background. I'd just love to hear a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I I started my kind of coaching work um, really way back when I was uh, managing big projects. I was a management consultant and, and looking after like kind of quite big, risky uh, projects, big teams. Um, I was in a senior leadership role and, and uh, often found that we needed new ways to be able to coach people. So I sort of first found uh, rather new ways to manage people. And I found that coaching was this sort of newfangled thing that was starting to be talked about mm-hmm. in leadership circles. And so I kind of came at coaching really from that corporate perspective, of, which was basically, you know, is this a tactic that will help us make people more productive? And when I sort of found, finally burned out from that work, I went into more practitioner-based coaching, which I think is what most of us do. We kind of find a training course that makes us feel really like empowered and you start to see that you can have such a um, a, a kind of active role in creating your own life. And I loved that aspect of coaching. That that really led me into starting to build up a a part-time practice and until I made that my full-time work. Um, And after I'd been coaching for about three or four years, I started to realize that I was really drawn to why different things worked, like why different tools or techniques, different approaches to to the coaching kind of spectrum really seemed to work in some contexts with some clients. And other things just kind of didn't land. And I knew there was more to it probably than just sort of an intuition aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to uh, read more widely and to look at, you know, what, what else was out there and found that uh, Oxford Brookes University do a master's in coaching and mentoring, which is really quite heavily uh, influenced by the psychotherapeutic dimensions of coaching, as well as the philosophies and um, and the kind of ways of uh, teaching adults, you know, how, how adults actually learn and how we change and grow. And, um, and that just sounded really appealing to me. So I enrolled in that course thinking, well, I'll just have a little look at this and see what happens. And you could sort of do like a certificate or a diploma or a postgrad diploma or a complete master's. And and I just kept going, really, Ruth. Really. I, I sort of found that I really um, was drawn into the way that uh, – Different schools have thought, have uh, have really created these enormous bodies of work that coaching has then derived itself. So, coaching is a is a huge mashup of philosophy, of psychology, psychotherapy, um, as well as you know adult education and, mm. and motivation and things like that, a human potential, um, and, and just kind of what fulfills us, like the sort of positive psychology aspects. So um, for me, I found that once I had that really broad view of – what coaching actually is it really helped to inform my work helped me to show up in different ways for my clients i felt a bit more um like i had a a really solid platform to build on um and i think this is becoming like more and more known or more and more um common for people to be interested in sort of the underlying reasons why coaching may or may not work um And, you know, there are coaching programs in probably about a dozen different universities here in the UK. Um, The Oxford uh, School is um, one of the largest uh, research units in Europe. So it's really well respected. And as a consequence of that, they have a a conference and they and annually, um, they also have a supervision programme. So there's lots of like really lovely meaty things to, to get involved in there, which I've just found incredibly supportive to um, developing just my own kind of body of work. Uh, but also I think um, one of the really heavy emphasis um, or, or rather one of the things that an academic programme places quite a heavy emphasis on is the ethics of coaching, which if you're, if you've only come across coaching from kind of what's on the internet, um, you may or may not be aware of. And I think um, there is quite a large school of thought that I totally understand, but that sort of suggests that coaching is really a kind of money-making racket <laughs> and mm-hmm. anyone can call themselves a coach. Yeah. And I totally see that. And, you know, it, frankly, that the industry is, is completely unregulated. There is no requirement for anyone to be trained, to be supervised, um, or or even to be qualified. So that creates this kind of wild, wild west sort of approach to it. Um, but I've always sort of felt that um, really – like in in any scenario i can't control what anyone else does or thinks but i can kind of be really interested in how i show up to this work and so it's always felt quite important to me to feel that um I'm, I'm in, as informed as I can be about where thinking is going, about what's informing our industry and our practice and, and how I can kind of show up and, and do the best work I can, um, you know, as humanly possible, really. So, um, so for me, I think, you know, an academic approach to coaching certainly has its place. I don't think it's necessary for everyone, yeah. but I guess that the things that I've got from from that is really just that really broad spectrum view of the coaching world of the bodies of work that have informed it um and ethical practice as well which is a good thing to have in your back pocket I think
0: yeah yeah definitely actually I find it so interesting um hearing you speak about this like broad view of coaching and everything that goes into it because I've never really thought of it like that but it's actually so interesting really interesting um So let's talk a bit about your research that you've done into self-doubt and the work that you've done with people and I'm really interested to know your opinion on this question. Basically I'm wondering is self-doubt a thing that tends to show up more for people who have their own business or is it just that we're kind of forced into these situations and it just it comes up and we talk about it. I'm really keen to know your opinion on that.
1: I think that's such a great question. I think it can sometimes feel like it, right? Yeah. When you are running your own business, like no one else has been here before. Yeah. Um, but what I found is that um, it kind of doesn't matter what road you go down, at some point you're probably going to come across self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So whether you're an employee in an organization, whether you're an academic, whether you're a creative, or you're just you know running your own business, um, you're probably going to come across self-doubt at some point. Um, most of the research suggests that it, around 70 to 80% of us um, have stated that, we so this is just the, yeah. the numbers that admit to it, yeah. um, have experienced self-doubt. And that's men and women, that's across, you know, all ages, ethnicities, uh, different countries. So um, I think it, it's, it's a pretty universal experience. I hes- hesitate to use um, kind of global statements, mm. but I think it, it does seem to me to be a pretty universal experience, which um, which in some ways is, is quite comforting, I think. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just having a human experience.
0: But yeah. it,
1: can, it can feel pretty intense, though, right, when it's yeah. showing up.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And is it just that some people just don't talk about it? Because I don't know if I would look at 70 to 80% of people in my life and assume that they doubt it themselves. Like, it's so easy to just look at other people and think, oh, well, they've got it sorted. And oh, why don't I? Yeah, <laughs>
1: It's quite interesting because I sort of feel as though I have this really privileged position being kind of at the centre of things. And I work with people from all different backgrounds and in all different kind of uh, industries. Um, I work with men as well as women. And I can absolutely tell you that 70 to 80% of your of the people in your life are probably experiencing self-doubt at some point. Um, they just, the ones that you think, wow, they really have their stuff together, probably have found... Um, really good ways to, to be with their self doubt, like really good, um, tactics or, um, approaches where they can kind of make peace with it. Um, and others are just really good at putting on a show. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess, um, I would say that if you are looking at someone else and thinking that they've got their stuff together, uh, it's likely that they, um, Behind the surface, there is a sort of thinly veiled <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, sort of idea of confidence and, and self-belief. And there'll be something in there that is, that is kind of they're worried about, they, that's wearing away at them. Um, there'll be things that are keeping them up at night yeah. because they're here.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Um, I was wondering how you find self-doubt tends to show up for people in their businesses. What are the ways it sneaks up on us that we may not even realize?
1: Well, I think it's so interesting how self-doubt is quite sneaky because to me, and the way I sort of define self-doubt is that it's our inbuilt protection mechanism. So it says to us a million different ways, don't do that, you might hurt yourself. So so don't Mm -hmm. post that blog post that's slightly controversial. You might be rejected. Don't try and sell that thing because no one will buy it and then you're completely abandoned. Right. Um, You know, don't don't uh, don't make yourself too visible because then people will judge you for being a show off. Yeah. So so self-doubt is is um, is this protection mechanism that that has a very simplistic view of the world. It's pretty binary. It sort of says it's either risky or it's not. And it will start to bubble away. Even at the thought of doing something, that is for us psychologically, and it's incredibly subjective. So it's based on usually our past experience, either what we have, um, what we've had happen to us ourselves, or what we have viewed someone that we care about go through. Um, and so we we kind of internalise those voices, and and we remember what it's like to feel that that rejection, that sense of abandonment, humiliation, embarrassment, all of those kind of quite difficult emotions. Self-doubt's trying to protect us from ever repeating those mistakes again. Mistakes, mm-hmm. I say that in inverted commas. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, when when we go into business, it's, it's just this endless invitation to be in a place of psychological risk. Um, no matter what we're doing or who we're being, um, all of our stuff can come up to meet us just as we are trying to be in service to other people trying mm. to make these beautiful useful things whatever our business is about we're actually doing things in the process of of that that is um, it would be considered psychologically risky so so it could be that we're doing things that we have been told is really risky things like um, you must follow the rules. So, you know, anyone who's self-employed is not following the rules that our parents followed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're not We're not doing a day job. Um, you know, the, the stories that we grew up hearing, you know, don't rock the boat, don't show off, don't be too much, don't be too visible, um, make something of yourself, get a proper job. All of those things are, are, um, are what we are, uh, going against we create our own businesses because we have to kind of rock the boat we have to abandon the rules in order to just do this very brave thing of decide that we're going to put ourselves in the position of leadership Um, and we we do we're doing things every single day that can feel incredibly exposing just really new Um, we have to believe in ourselves we have to value our work we have to get really clear about money and get really comfortable with uh, things like leadership, which can feel like quite difficult. If you've never had a good experience of that. Uh, we have to get really comfortable with criticism, be willing to be visible, learn how to sell and all of that is to per- all to the to the potential end of failing in public um so it's no no small thing that we're doing right yeah. <laughs> I always kind of joke that I, I wish HMRC would sort of issue anyone who ticks the self-employed box they should just be issued with a cape
0: um <laughs> yeah.
1: because it, it, I genuinely believe that deciding to run your own business is one of the most courageous things that you can do
0: yeah yeah it brings everything up to the surface yeah. for sure um, I was interested to hear more about what you think about leadership because I've been thinking about this lately and I do feel like when you run your own business in whatever form, you are taking on a sort of leadership role and that can feel very, very uncomfortable. Um, it feels uncomfortable to me as someone who who identifies as a shy introvert or always have been anyway growing up and things and it makes you think you have to be a certain thing and or that you have to do it without all these fears and that these fears are like taking away from, from that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about like redefining what it means to lead in your business and doing it with self doubt anyway.
1: Yeah, such a great question. And, and I guess, you know, for me, even now, and even though I consider myself um, a feminist, when I think of leadership, I think of a, a white man yeah. in a blue suit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that is the image that I have had, you know, a million times over thrown at me the whole time. Um, and so I, I think those those kind of concerns that you mention about if you're a shy introvert or if you're just kind of uh, not someone who is wildly comfortable with visibility, mm. then the idea that you have to kind of embody these qualities that we have been told equal leadership, like being super confident, super out there and enthusiastic all the time, um, you know, kind of positive vibes only, all that kind of stuff, um, that. Where there is a disconnect between what we believe we need to be, who we believe we need to be, and our lived experience, we can often believe that we're not with, we're not able or worthy to fill that gap. Mm. And I think um, partly um, one of the reasons why uh, women are turning to self-employment, why so many more women are running, which is a really patronising phrase, but the kitchen table businesses, mm-hmm. the kind of um, uh, creative businesses where they're actually saying, I don't want to work in an organization that just feels kind of dehumanizing and belittling, and just frankly, it's really bloody hard to fit childcare around. Just, you know, we're, we're in 2019 and it is still an argument we're having about how to organize childcare. Yeah, yeah. It just seems crazy to me. But all of these things contribute to why we believe that. Somehow we don't fit the mould of leadership, and I think we have to um, we have to sort of take a step back, and and in some ways it's it's kind of a we have to sort of be a leader before we might be ready to claim it mm-hmm. in that we have to stand back and say, how do I want to define leadership for myself? What is comfortable for me? Um, and and I think getting really clear about that, you know, can I lead as an introvert? Absolutely. Can I lead because I'm, sh-, you know, with my shyness? Absolutely. You know, and, and then finding examples of people who are doing this. Um, and, you know, we're recording this just a few weeks after uh, the events that happened in, in Christchurch in New Zealand and, my home country, and we've got this incredible example of a very, very different flavour of leadership, and just unheard. The New Zealand Prime Minister, who has shown up with a ton of empathy, leading by example. She has been the least showy of any leader. She has not centered herself or made this about her. She has, in lots of ways, I think, allowed the the events to unfold and and kind of play a sort of side partnership role in, in allowing that to happen. Meanwhile, she has in um, you know in less than ten days managed to convince everyone in the New Zealand Parliament. And I'm not sure how much convincing needed to happen, but she has managed to bring that entire leadership team on um, into a process where gun laws will change. Within ten days, mm, yeah. <laughs> because of that willingness to to, to make a, a difference, and I think that that kind of leadership that isn't showy. It's not a she's not a white man in a blue suit, um, and she is not um, centering herself. She's not super confident. She's not trying to make light or make positive sort of, of anything. She has just very quietly got on with the job. Um, and I think the more examples we have of leadership that looks more like who we are, uh, the more we can um, kind of see that, oh, it's totally possible for me to do that. And this is why I think representation uh, really matters. Yeah. Inclusion really matters. Yeah. Because then we get to see ourselves and when we can see it, we can kind of be it. We can imagine ourselves that we can be it. Um, and so in the meantime, until we have you know vast numbers of, Um, of women in leadership until we get to a place, hopefully in my lifetime, where um, this isn't a new thing. We have to kind of lead that movement. We as self-employed business owners get to decide how do I want to show up for my business? How do I want to lead? And where am I lacking? Like where are the real specific challenges that I have? It might be that, you know, you find like I did for a long time, the whole sales process just felt really quite foreign to me i didn 't really want, i didn 't want anyone to do anything they didn 't want to do and and so I would often be quite passive when it came to sales but of course i 'm running a business so i need I need to do this in a way that allows me to be financially rewarded but also you know, emotionally creatively ethically awarded, rewarded as well um, and so I had to sort of figure out well how am I going to do sales that doesn 't feel icky to me. Um, and that was one specific area of my business where I always felt I had a little bit of a, you know, it felt really tender to me. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I really had a solid ground to stand on. Um, so I had to figure that out. Um, and what I found was because that was so difficult for me that I would some sometimes I would extrapolate that out to include my whole business and say, I'm just crap at everything. Yes, I don't think yeah. I'm right out for this. And I think the more specific we can get about where we might be having um, quite, you know, particular challenges, the easier it can be to kind of come up with, you know, point solutions that that really figure out, oh, okay, actually, I'm an amazing ceramicist, you know, I can, you know, I can uh, create beautiful, Copy for other people's websites, whatever your job, whatever your business involves, but it's the selling part that I'm not great at. Or oh, where do I get some help with that, right? Or it's, the, or it's the marketing part, or it's the you know how do I take this business to scale part. You know all of those different challenges that come along at different kinds, different times in our in our business lifespan. Um, it's when we can kind of go okay how can i encourage myself to seek out that figure figure this problem out so that i can do the work that i i feel that that purpose for that that drive for
0: yeah yeah that makes so much sense um and that brings me to my to my next question which was um the strategies that you might recommend for people to figure things out like that one example you just said realizing that it was the sales it wasn't the whole business but it was the sales that um made you feel uneasy and doubtful about the whole business. And I'd love to know any other specific strategies that you have found help people figure out these, these little stumbling blocks that they can then do something about rather than thinking that they're failing at everything
1: well I think the one thing that I found about about self-doubt is this kind of internal protection mechanism is that um, it it doesn't really survive too long when you are when you show it compassion mm. so I always think about self-doubt as kind of being a, a much much younger version of me it's usually a kind of eight to 12 maybe fifteen 16 year old me that was when my self-doubt was at its most acute and then all of the things that happened during those years i sort of um internalized and i would respond to things in my adult world as i would at the age that those things occurred right right? so so one of the things i had happened when i was um 13 14 15 i was bullied really badly at school I just never quite fit in with the cool kids and I was always ostracized and I felt incredibly lonely and I felt like um no one wanted to be my friend and I wasn't I was always going to feel like an outsider and so um in my adult life whenever I didn't get picked for something or whenever I felt that kind of slightly slightly feeling of being on the outside I would respond in the same way so I would just retreat that was the way I kept myself safe: was to kind of retreat back into myself and, um, you know, go and do something really worthy. Like when I was a kid, I worked in the library. <laughs> um, so, so you know, and when when that started happening, um, when I started interpreting that as happening when I'm an adult in my business, my tendency is to is to kind of pull back and retreat. And sometimes that's a really healthy thing to do. I think, you know, just to reflect and see where I'm at. But um, in other in other circumstances, and I know for a lot of people who are self-employed, that retre- retreating can often be a withdrawing back from the world and sort of um, we can almost get a little bit lost. That loneliness that's prevalent for so many of us when we're running things from our kitchen tables without, you know, uh, you know the sort of communal kitchen chat or mm. someone to to tell us about the TV show that everyone's watching we can lose that sense of community. Um, And so I found that for me, whenever I started experiencing those um, moments of doubt about sales, for example, loneliness has been a real challenge for me running my business. Um, Figuring out the whole marketing spiel without feeling like a used car salesman. All of those things that have really challenged me I've had to think. Okay, how how can I be as compassionate as possible to myself? What am I trying to do here? It's not like you know, you're not burning down an orphanage, right? Mm-hmm. You're just trying to sell a course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how can I support myself to do that? How can I give myself a, you know, all, all the encouragement that I might need? What is it that I would like other people to say? And can I can I offer that to myself? Um, and What I have found is that when we speak to us, when we kind of engage with our self-doubt and speak to it compassionately, like sometimes I found like just even writing it down as a conversation on a piece of paper can be helpful is that you start to see that it, it usually wants something. It wants recognition. It's worried about something and it, um, and it needs us to pay attention to that. So, um, So by giving it that attention, by speaking really compassionately to it, we get to feel like we're doing something that is actually healing our self-doubt at the same time as we get to move on and do the thing that we actually want to do. Often, if we can just push through that initial period where we're feeling all that doubt – figure out what it is that the doubt is actually about what it might be reminding us of how old it is um, what that ne- what that voice needs and then we can sort of move on to the next step follow those breadcrumb trails to to wherever we're we're trying to get to
0: yeah yeah that makes sense and i'm guessing that their self-doubt is not, is something that can't ever necessarily be fully healed but I suppose you can get to a place where you know how to deal with it, and you know what it's there for, and you can accept it. Is that right?
1: Well, it, it's um, it, it's tied to our survivalism, so it's kind of primal thing. Yeah. It's so so it is unlikely to ever go. Um, it's always going to pop up, and you and I've I found that the things that I worry about in my business now are very different to the things that I worried about in my first year or two yeah. or three but this they still have a flavor of self doubt about them so um so it, i think i think even if even if you get to a place where you feel pretty pretty healed and pretty like uh good about the things that have happened to you where you kind of feel some peace with that and you understand that a lot of things that have happened to us have not been our 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 fault and there was nothing else we could have done um, we can kind of make some some meaning out of those those painful moments those trauma moments. Um, but what we can do is get to a place where we actually feel um, the self enough self-belief to be able to uh, move into this place where we expect self-doubt to kind of come along for mm-hmm. the ride
0: yeah.
1: and it's no longer debilitating
0: yes yeah. so
1: um yeah so so it kind of is expected and sometimes that you need a day or two just to let it just to write it out and then it's like okay right I I've been here before p- perhaps not in this specific circumstance but I kind of know what this is made of and I just need to be kind to myself for a day or two and then move through it
0: yeah yeah I mean I've actually just had that in a certain way with this podcast because I recorded one series of it and Because of the way I've always considered myself to be shy and things, it is like a real stretch of my comfort zone. But it was fine and I did the whole series and I felt good about it. But then I had a break and um, then I started recording interviews for the second series and it, it showed up again like big time. It was like such a surprise to me that it could just come back like that after having thought that I was just doing fine and that that was it. I had stretched my comfort zone and it was fine and the doubt had gone. It was so... such a surprise to me that it came back with such force. But at the same time, I did have that um, knowing that I had done it before and it felt like something that, I don't know, I was just able to tell myself and be kinder to myself and just know that it was fine. It was just really interesting to me to notice that.
1: Yes, it's a great example. And I think that's what you're speaking to is something that I work with people about all the time, which is that we have to take action to create new evidence that we are actually capable of
0: evidence yeah
1: otherwise we'll never we'll never discover what we're capable of and we stay in our heads too much and and we can't we've got nothing to say oh actually that story isn't true anymore because remember i did that thing where i made a whole podcast
0: happen Mm, yeah and um is this something that you're still struggling with have you i mean in a in a way that from that place of experience but you still have that self-doubt like is there something recently that's in your business that you can give an example of where it's come up for you and you've like oh hello my old friend self-doubt again
1: it's really interesting because I um I have actually and I was talking about this with the coaches that I um met all this morning and that um I've I've just sort of had this idea growing over the last few months about a new course that I want to develop and I had this moment yesterday where I was sort of sketching it out and getting a rough idea of it and I just thought no one's going to buy this and it lasted for about 15 minutes where I just thought this is a really dumb idea no one's going to buy this
0: (laughs) yeah
1: and then and then I thought yes they
0: are (laughs) (laughs) I love
1: that yes they are they're, they're, yes, of course they are, because the whole reason that this idea came about is because they keep telling me that they have to know. This is one of the key. It's all about like how to be comfortable with, with conflict and criticism, and that's something that people say to me all the time. Is yeah. the thing that they really get held back with. So, so I still, when I'm creating something new, and I think that's a, a kind of key aspect of, of self doubt, is that it's it often pops up when we're doing something new or something that um, we might have done something similar before, but we've never quite done it in these circumstances. Um, so we might have had like a, a, a great success even, and then you follow that with something else, and it's the whole second album yeah. complex yeah. where everyone's like, has wildly high expectations, and you're like, oh, it's never going to be as good. Yeah. So it doesn't kind of matter what the experience has been. If you're doing something new or doing something um that you've done before, but in a different way, self-doubts likely to pop up because it's that it's and for me it's tied to that thing of um, is my so one of my fundamental doubts, if you like, is um, no one cares about my work, right? Yeah, so I have yeah. that kind of like fundamental thing where I every now and then I go, oh, doesn't matter, like yeah. in the big world scheme of things is what does what I do even matter and that's usually because I'm tired or I'm working too much or I'm you know doing doing things that aren't keeping me healthy so I'll kind of fall into that pit of despair yeah. and I recognize it so well now after all this time that it's like oh okay right so when i believe no one's going to buy this no one cares about this work, then I can you know, choose to follow what my self-doubt want me to do, which is protect me from that risk. So I just don't create anything new, don't ever advertise my work or share it. Um, and then I will stay safe. It's a damn fine idea, right? Or I can say, actually, that's never going to be satisfying for me. So I have to do this.
0: Exactly. And I guess for someone new to business, they wouldn't have that evidence of like, people having bought it before or people having asked about it before but then again it's it's one of those things like you said if you don't do it you're not going to be satisfied you've got to try and your self-doubt just trying to keep you safe
1: exactly and that's why it's so great you're recording this this podcast um whoever's listening in we see you <laughs> and it's you, know, you get to benefit from from you know the the stories and the experiences of other people, and and I just I think that's one of the, the things that I really love about this medium of these just conversations, right? Yeah. Is is that it's kind of like mentoring. You know, it's the kind of mentoring conversation that you would have in a traditional organisation, um, but you can tune in whenever you fancy, and you get to hear the stories of people that you might watch from afar. And I think that's incredibly powerful, and it is a way of leading our businesses leading our work and also championing you know whoever's whoever's kind of coming up and deciding yeah I want to be on that team I want to be on the self-employed team I'm willing to face all my stuff.
0: (laughs) I love that way of looking at it Um, and what I've found from this podcast as well is just when you start talking about these things when you start talking about self-doubt Pretty much, I would say, hundred percent of the people I speak to have something to share, yeah. and yeah. it just makes it so much less scary, and it takes away a bit of the power, of, and it keeps you, it, it, keeps you going a bit sometimes when you've when you're that close to stopping, and I found that so so powerful.
1: It can, it can also just feel a hell of a lot less lonely. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not the you're not the first person to ever feel this, um, and and you're not certainly not the last. And you get to decide what you're going to do. Yeah. Are you going to just decide that's the truth, end of story? Or, you know, is there a full stop here or is there just a comma? And then it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to be kind to myself for a day and then I'm going to come back and find my, you know, my reason to do this thing again and, and start start from where I am.
0: Yeah, yeah. And speaking of that and feeling less lonely, I want to talk about your self-doubt archetypes. Maybe I, Maybe it's better for me to ask you to describe it. <laughs> Let's talk about your archetypes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, um, so I found um, about a year, 18 months ago, I started to find that there were patterns showing up with the way that people described their experience of mm-hmm. self-doubt yeah. and how they responded to it. And I think, you know, patterns are like catnip for anyone who enjoys research. You sort of have to find out what that's all about. And um, I spent about nine months in the end wow. of trying to figure out, like, how is self doubt showing up for people? And and I think the thing that has really surprised me is that this is a really new body of research. Mm. Like there was a ton of research done in the sort of 60s and 70s, mainly in on the west coast of America and the kind of like um, universities over there about things like self efficacy and confidence. And then there has been some other pockets of research. But um, my my dissertation was like the first time that self-doubt had been looked at from this perspective of our actual experience of it, rather than how to avoid it, how to move through it, oh, how to get yeah. over it, I found usually don't. <laughs> so um, so I sort of wanted to know more about well, what is that experience like for people. And I looked at this from, um, first of all, just from uh, a very rudimentary perspective using a grounded Uh, Grounded research or grounded theory research method, which is basically you just let the research data tell you what's happening. So it's a kind of the theory rises from the ground is is basically the the idea. and, and what I did was take any data point, any comment, any um, description of self-doubt, any idea of how it showed up or how people were responding to it, and use that as a data point and just sort, tried to see if there were patterns. So I had about two or 3,000 different data points, and um, I put them all over the wall in our spare room, and I found that there were kind of four broad areas um, of leadership, uh, boundaries, boundaries belonging and um, and trusting yourself and those four areas when I kept looking at what was there, um, I found there were co- there were three distinct sort of responses and experiences of self-doubt that were a pattern within each of those four. So I ended up with 12 archetypes. There's probably more um but those were the ones that i could find in 12's a nice round number so i just went with mm. it <laughs> and um and then i just described like what what that experience is like and i th- i think that most of us have two or three sort of key archetypes and one that is predominant and then once you know about that you can kind of it's like anything once you know a bit more about how you respond to something, or how, what you believe about something, you're then in a position to decide what else could I do, or where might that come from. It's it's sort of creates a more of a more of a, um, more of a sp- specificity around your experience of self-doubt and like I said earlier I think one of the things that can happen is that we sort of have this amorphous cloud of self-doubt and I'm yeah. crap at everything when actually it may just be one thing or one area of your life where self-doubt showing up and actually if you can kind of find some ways through that then it will make everything else just a so yeah, so that's how the the archetypes were created, and I think there's over five thousand people who've downloaded the quiz.
0: That's amazing. So I was going to ask you about that. Like, it's a it's a really interesting way of packaging it, if I think. Yeah. And helping helping more people access what you do, but I suppose it's kind of a fun way for people to access it. And then at the end of it, they get something really useful. Like, for example, I- I'm going to say what mine were because I actually did it a few a little while ago and then I did it again just before this call, and I got two. But I think that they're closely related. I got the conductor and the designer and um, right. I was yeah. reading the-, the kind of stumbling bo- blocks of them and um, they just fit me perfectly. Um, feeling scattered with too many ideas and yeah. stopping things right at the last stage, which is just totally something I've done a lot of times and a fear of being found out, which is just, yep, yeah, that's me.
1: <laughs> well, I share the conductor with you So and oh. the, and the conductor and the designer are both in the leadership yeah.
0: quadrant. Yeah, I notice that.
1: So, um, yeah. So they're all about like self-belief, like believing in the vision that you have for yourself, for your business work. Yeah. Um, your life but also that ability to support yourself through the, the the challenges and stumbling blocks so yeah that's so interesting that you got to in that one spot
0: yeah yeah I thought so too um so yeah I I mean it's really fun to go through it like that but also really useful and I and how much work was this for you to put it together to make it so accessible and I'm guessing it's it's also a marketing thing because it's it's a really good way to build your email list am I right like with a quiz.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I wanted, um, I wanted to create something useful from it, because it was literally like six months where yeah. our spare room was just covered mm-hmm. in post-it notes, and my husband was kind of like, "What is going on in there? <laughs> I don't know what you're plotting, but can tell me there is an end date." And um, and I really didn't know for. a for about six months I wasn't really sure where it was going Mm. I could sort of see the patterns but I didn't really know and my friend Ali said to me oh you should totally make it a quiz and then people can find out what their what they you know what their thing is what their archetype is at the time we didn't know they were archetypes but and um and another friend said oh it sounds like you're describing archetypes which is just really patterns you know patterns about how we respond to things um and so, so really, my friends helped me to kind of create this thing, and um, and I think that was just super helpful to see. Oh, actually, this would be a great way to sort of in, um, t- have a, a a kind of interactive um, experience with. This, you know outcome that you get actually a little toolkit that you can use to to start to change your self-doubt um, and it and it also for me it was like great all that work is going into you know helping to build my marketing list yeah, you know the, yeah. the of subscribers to my work which is great and I haven't had a ton of unsubscribes which is quite encouraging I always find it's the it's great when you you know when you build a whole lot of add a whole lot of people to to um you know who are interested in learning more but um I'm always interested in the unsubscribes as much as anything else and I haven't had a ton of people unsubscribe so I think that bodes quite well. Yeah that's
0: really interesting because <laughs> I guess with something like a quiz the what people could do is just come and do the quiz and get the result and leave so that's really interesting yeah
1: absolutely yeah absolutely and it's really interesting um when i whenever i send out my newsletter and i get often get like you know several hundred out of office replies and um often i'll see that there is like a whole lot of um a whole lot of email office out of office replies from the same workplace so i kind of know that they've all gone <laughs> hey, let's all do this quiz. You should all do this quiz. <laughs> so that's kind of fun.
0: <laughs> it's great that you have that resource that people are sharing with other people. Yeah, it's
1: cool. Folks have said that they did it with their partners as well. Yeah. So it's like their life partner gets... And then they have these conversations about where their self-doubt comes from, which can be you know, really lovely and revealing. And it's quite a vulnerable conversation to have, I yeah, think.
0: Yeah,
1: um, So, yeah, it's good fun.
0: But was it a lot of work behind the scenes to like get the systems up on your website to make it happen
1: yes um and, and i and i guess you know i don't want to take too much credit for this because I, I have an amazing team yeah. around me i have a fantastic website um person even um even leah quinn for, at 16 july who's worked with me for years and years and we've been through three or four different websites together um and my project manager shauna reed shauna reed writes who's an amazing like copy copy editor and um she does a ton of different projecty stuff for me community management of my group programs and things like that and you know between us we sort of figured out how to how to create this um you know way of allowing this to be automated which is what I really needed it to be um so yeah like everyone right you know none of none of us really do these things on our own yeah so um and I really um it's the kind of thing that will will probably you know stay up there for, for quite a while because it's um you know, it's super valuable and and you know it's relevant to my work and it's a it's I think a good way for people just to go oh okay yeah no this resonates with me or or not you yeah. know um, and some people I, I know quizzes don't have the greatest reputation right um, you know, Facebook taking over the whole quiz thing and then using that data for nefarious means but um, but yeah so I'm I'm really thrilled with how it's all kind of turned out and um, and yeah and there's a program a paid program that that kind of sits behind the scenes of that called compass as well which is about how to sort of interrupt and, and overcome those those archetypes um, which is really fun to, to teach as well so yeah so it's all kind of turned out to be quite a quite a groovy effort even though it took a hell of a long time yeah. <laughs> to together yeah, yeah yeah
0: I'm really interested in hearing about that and it's actually it's sort you've got a funnel going there but in a nice way because a lot of people think about um you know marketing funnels and it sounds horrible and icky but it makes sense the way you've got it all up and you've done it your way and yeah. I really like that
1: yeah completely I and I think you know that the whole um the whole marketing funnel concept i guess is um is like anything it's a, it's a great tool but it can also be kind of a weapon so it yeah. just comes down to how we want to lead our businesses to interact with that stuff the technology that's around right now is insanely amazing yeah i mean it, it's just incredible that's the kinds of things that we can do and but we don't ever have to follow someone else's blueprint we we get to decide how we want to interact with people you know how many times we want to email people all of that stuff and i think part of the trick with this is you know recognizing sort of what is a genuine like values led type approach and what is you know where our self doubt might be getting in the way of us showing up for people yeah. it's never a simple thing
0: no no not at all Right I'm going to ask you a couple of parting questions before we go. The first one is what's something you've recently done that scared you?
1: I just this morning had an email from someone who said I really like your newsletters and I've been following you for a while and I just wanted to let you know that and I said I really like you too and do you think we could meet for a coffee date online she doesn't live in Okay, and I don't really do this very often, but um, I'm always chuffed when someone I really admire kind of comes back and says, "Hey, I like the cut of your jib," mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we end up kind of expanding, you know, the, the kind of connection beyond be, behind the scenes. I think that's always really fun. Yeah. Um, I'm quite I'm quite private and careful. I know I I sort of have written online about every everything that's ever happened to me <laughs> for ten years. But I do find, you know, I guess the older I get as well, I'm I'm quite private and I'm quite, um, yeah, I I kind of keep my business and my personal stuff as, you know, healthily separate as I need it to be. And um, so it's always really nice when you think, oh, actually, no, there's, you know, even at 46, there is still room to make new friends. Because I think sometimes that can you can feel a bit like, I know that part of my life is over. <laughs> there are no new, <laughs> new friends for you. Um, so it's always really nice when you kind of meet someone and you think, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to take a chance on this and see what happens.
0: Oh, that was a great yeah. example. I like that answer. Um, the second question, if you could say one thing to encourage someone in their online business, what would it be?
1: Um, just trust that if you love this enough on a day-to-day basis, like if if, if it's, it doesn't have to feel like super exciting get out of bed and dance kind of excitement but but just that if you love what you do on a day-to-day basis everything else is figure outable. Mm. like just finding the thing that feels good to you to do even if everything around it feels a bit cloudy and you're not quite sure how to how to do it yet um you, you can find people you can find resources um nothing is um that you're doing has probably never been done before so um, I think the hardest thing can sometimes be asking for help and knowing who to ask for help as well but just trust that that is really enough you all you have to do is quite like what you do
0: oh I love that that's brilliant advice Um, the final question is where can people go to find out more about you and what you do
1: Uh, well I'm one of these crazy people that actually uses my name for my social (laughs) media handles (laughs) so so I'm um, sass petherick pretty much everywhere um, on on Instagram most days and Twitter occasionally and my website is um, saspetherick.com.
0: And I'll include a link to the um, self-doubt archetypes quiz in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, There are three ways to connect with me on the Facebook group, on Instagram at Ruth Poundwhite or my personal favorite, my behind the scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe and keep doing what you're doing because your work really does matter.